geopolitics and empire is joined by johnny of the staying free podcast hey hey thanks for having me on yeah it's and then uh this is probably unusual it's a uh, in-person um on the ground uh, interview we're here somewhere in mexico in, in uh, at the beach in puerto vallarta and uh so I, i've been listening to your podcast for a while uh, you've had some of the same guests uh, that i've had on i really like what you're doing and i just happen to be going to the beach so i said why don't we do this um in person and it's always great to meet uh, like-minded people so uh maybe just to start if you want to tell us whatever you want to tell us uh, about yourself and and the work that you're doing at staying free yeah, sure. So, you know, thanks again for, for having me on and thanks for the kind words about, about my podcast. You know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of yours as well. Uh, yeah, I guess my story, um, you know, probably as with like many people, it, it kind of, the, my, my real big moment where my life changed quite significantly was kind of off the back of uh, lockdowns and all the rest of it with everything that was going on with kind of COVID hysteria. Um, so actually at that point, um, when this was all kind of kicking off, I, I was traveling, I, I was living in, um, Australia at the time, but I'd been traveling for about a round about maybe like a year and a half, close to two years. And, uh, this all started kind of kicking off. And I realized at that point that, you know, the world was kind of fundamentally changing. So, um, you know, Melbourne at the time had just gone into a big lockdown. So I decided, okay, like this isn't the time to be here. You know, I'm going to kind of go back to the UK and reset myself. Went back to the UK and was there for a little while. And um, during that time, I always kind of wanted to, I, I always kind of wanted to get, get going again. You know, I like traveling. I like going to different places. My plan before then was actually to go to Canada. Um, I, I wanted to go there, try it out, live there for a bit. But I kind of could sense that the world had fundamentally changed and that Canada had become a place I definitely did not want to go. Um, so when it was, the world started to open up a little, a little bit again, um, you know, this was kind of May of uh, 2021. You know, we'd just come out in the UK for, out of a, like a, a, a long lockdown. You know, we'd been in some form of lockdown, I think for seven, if not maybe eight months, something like that. I mean, it was, we'd had kind of like breaks from it, but it had been, it had been bad. It was, it was hard. And um, I thought, okay, well, where in the world do I want to go? You know, now things are opening up a little bit. Um, and Mexico uh, for me was like really, really high on that, on that list. You know, it just seemed like the most free place in the world. So I decided, okay, I'll come out to Mexico. I uh, did a bit of traveling initially in Mexico and was just really enjoying that life of just having this this freedom that, you know, I'd not felt for a long time. And then eventually kind of, you know, really liked the place, you know, um, I kind of started making my, a life for myself here. I decided to get residency and stuff. And then, you know, I've been here basically ever since. Yeah, I mean, it's just fascinating to meet so many people fleeing um, to, to Mexico. Uh, I'm an OG. Again, there have been a few uh commentators saying i'm selling something i mean i've been here from 2010 way before any of this but it's great to see other people fleeing um coming down and you know escaping covid 1984 and um um just what sort of your take um you know your personal take and what you've gathered gathered from other people around you as well as perhaps your guests just your take on COVID-1984, COVID-911, you know, what's what's going on and, you know, what people also call the, the Great Reset. Just what's your take on what's what's going on? Yeah, well, I think that I think that COVID, you know, kind of marked this moment for a lot of people where they where they woke up. You know, I I like to think that I've always been like, you know, awake, quote unquote, but actually like thinking back to it, I still 
I, I still didn't really sense that the world could go as crazy as it did during COVID. And during during that time, I kind of realized that everything is on the table in terms of where society goes. Like there is absolutely no, um, there's no guarantee that society is going to remain free whatsoever. And if anything, like the world proved that it could go in a completely different direction and that, you know, we're going to just reverse, you know, many years progress in terms of like how we respect each other's, you know, human rights and stuff. I thought that, you know, lockdowns was was bad enough. And then when, you know, I, I was very sure with the whole vaccine narrative that, you know, I don't know how much we can talk about it on your, on your channel, but... Speak, speak freely. Okay. Yeah. So like, you know, with the... When that started coming around, you know, in, I think it was about April or, or May of, of 2020 and, you know, the whole vaccine thing started coming around. And at that point it was like, oh, will there be a vaccine? And I was very sure. I remember I've made, I've got a tweet and I can, I can still refer to it now. I said at that time, there will be a vaccine and you will be forced to take it. When everyone else was talking about, uh, oh, you know, will there be one? You know, maybe we'll get there. You know, how long will it take? I was like, not only will there be one, absolutely, with certainty, and I'll put my life on that, You, they will try to force everyone to take it. And I was very, very sure of it. I could see the narrative going in this way. And uh, yeah, I think that everything that happened during that time indicated to me that like you're, you know, we need radical change. We need people to actually, you know, say no and not just that but like kind of essentially fight against it like if we keep going and you know for me personally i i guess i'd always kind of thought you know the world maybe it's not as it seems and maybe there's things that that you know aren't as i want them but i don't necessarily have to kind of like enter this this battle it's like i can just kind of do my own thing and and um i realized that like there is a war on for like human freedom and you can you can pretend that war isn't happening, but it's it's still it's still happening, right? Like it's happening there in the background. So you can either kind of be essentially some kind of a foot soldier in it, or you can sit back and hope the war is won. But personally, you know, I got to a point where I thought, okay, I actually am going to fight against this stuff. So I got involved with, you know, the um, freedom community in the UK, going out to protest and things like that. And then, you know, I kind of my Twitter got bigger and stuff from like posting videos and, you know, pictures from these, the protests and kind of talking about the stuff that was going on. And then, I've, you know, that kind of like eventually one thing after another led to me kind of doing the podcast and stuff like that. So uh, I've probably moved a little bit away from the original question, but essentially like for me, it was my, my general thoughts about everything that's happened is that something has happened here that like, it's not we're not just being stubborn like oh we're not letting go of this thing like we had it was almost like a warning shot heard around the world that like we're moving into a new kind of world here we're moving into something you know very different and very dark and we should probably pay attention to it and you know i think that's been the case for a lot of people that that was just that was just it was almost like the, the straw that broke the camel's back you know it was the thing that was undeniable that, that we'd moved into this uh, this new paradigm essentially and you know we all need to take notice of that a message from our sponsors our friends at Above Phone are on a mission to help people break free of the algorithm ghetto. They're starting with our phones because 99% of people today are addicted to the big tech ecosystem. We have alternative technologies available that Ramiro and his team at Above Phone have been evaluating. These tools are superior, not just alternatives. Are you ready to play above the rules of the surveillance capitalists? Let's remove our reliance on them for information, apps, and communications and break free of their tracking. If we don't contribute to alternative software with our participation, we may lose the few choices we have. When you get a degoogled above phone, everything is made simple out of the box. Just plug your cell service in and go, or use Wi-Fi only. 
The above privacy suite provides important services using open source software that is run reliably and privately. It gives you a VPN, private email, search engine, encrypted chat, voice and video calls, a calendar service, and an anonymous internet phone number. Because getting people on better systems is so important, they've upped their dedication to support. With each phone, you get a 30-minute support call, 24-7 email, chat support, and a knowledge base. Just like with our food, water, healthcare, schooling, and security, our tech needs to be sovereign. Browse available phones now and subscribe to the privacy suite at abovephone.com. If you do find yourself stuck in a smart city, the Nomos app will help you survive COVID-1984 and the Great Reset. Nomos is a time bank that can be used by communities anywhere in the world. You just need to talk people into using it. I've spoken to the developer who is passionate about creating solutions for surviving and thriving in the apocalypse. Nomos is available in English and Spanish, so hurry and visit nomos.net before they roll out the cashless society and put you in the algorithm ghetto. For me, in some ways, it's still unbelievable how many people we come across and they don't think twice about what's going on. They still sort of ignore this idea that everything that's going on is there's sinister intent. Um, they just say, oh, there was some sort of pandemic and we were told to do this and they just get on with life and not realizing it's like you're living in a city or a town or, or a country an invading army is coming and, you know, lobbing missiles and you're just pretending like it's not happening. Um, but uh, have you given to you know any any just along these lines any further thought as to who's behind this uh, or or their uh, agenda? Um, you know, any thoughts on, on that? Yeah, I mean, I guess looking back at it now, I probably should have should have seen this coming a bit more because you know I've I've always been quite strong in you know caring about things like uh, economic freedom, you know, and I'm. I'm big into like Bitcoin and stuff like that. And I've looked into, you know, central banking and the nature of the money system and, you know, fiat currency and, and how, how much corruption there is there. And I guess that I didn't necessarily know like what the world would look like when some of these uh, kind of really corrupt institutions um, kind of start to reach their ultimate conclusion. I didn't necessarily sit down and think, okay, well, this is what it's going to look like, you know, but actually thinking back about it now, I, I maybe should have been a bit more aware that this is exactly what we should have expected, you know, control mechanisms coming in, you know, and I think that we're going to see that more and more like the, 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 the pandemic, you know, whether you, whatever your views are on, you know, whether there was a virus, is a virus, how, you know, deadly the virus is, et cetera, like people vary um, on thinking about those things. But what we do know and what I do know now is that, you know, it's enabled it's enabled the powers that be to kind of bring about a control mechanism and i think that it all my belief is it all kind of ultimately stems from the money system i think that they know that um they know that the the, the fiat end game is approaching and that they needed a way to kind of uh essentially have other mechanisms of control over people and especially when they want to bring in things like cbdcs and all the rest of it you need to uh you need to you need certain things in place in order to do that because otherwise people won't go into that reality so it's almost kind of like this this uh, priming people so you know we could talk about particular institutions like the wef and stuff which i absolutely think have a lot to do with this but i actually think that they're acting on incentive structures themselves you know like you know we 
like let's zoom out a level further and say like who are these people essentially they're the kind of the monopolists the oligarchs the governments the the big corporations etc that i think can see that with this fiat paradigm coming to an end i think they can see that their power is going to be vastly diminished on the other side of that if they don't if if they're not the kind of architects of the next epoch of of how we live live our lives and i think they can see the fiat um paradigm is coming to an end so they want to build the next thing and the next thing looks you know very much like you know we can call it the new world order the great reset whatever you call it but it involves um these institutions having a lot of control over people's lives they're trying to put in place a kind of uh global technocracy at the end of the day so yeah i mean i i don't look too much into the you know specific individuals or institutions more that i look at the incentive structures that are up that are at play and how that actually like results in the world that we're seeing. And I think that, um, you know, whatever, whichever group you kind of point the finger at, we know that it's going to, that it looks like more centralized authoritarian control over populations. Yeah. I think that's also a healthy way to go uh, about it and maybe get your thoughts on the economy as well as, uh, crypto, because I know you deal with that, um, as well. And, a lot of people talk about this, you know, huge collapse of the economy. People I've had on the podcast, you know, Peter Schiff and others for decades have been talking about this total collapse, which, which hasn't yet come, which doesn't mean it's not going to. But I think we're already starting to see signs. This inflation, it's not going away. It's 10% plus in some areas of the world or in some uh, parts of the economy here in mexico you've got you know things that are going up 10 percent, 20 percent, 30 percent, 40 percent um i'm just just from this week I, I on my on the tnt show i was uh looking at the news from um sri lanka uh they can't send some of their kids to school because there's not enough uh money papua new guinea airport air planes grounded no fuel um pakistan they're shutting the malls early the government said shutting down shopping centers early to save uh energy just you know france a, a big food uh, producer in, in france is shutting down half of its uh services uh, even here in puerto vallarta i was told uh, at the walmart a lot of uh, empty shelves which is kind of not usual uh, and so you're starting to see this deterioration of the economy uh all over the place uh, I, I am seeing a lot of i was in the u.s recently and even here in mexico a lot of help wanted signs like they, they need workers there aren't workers that begs the question are they were they injured from something um or was it that they just got used to the stay-at-home uh pandemic lifestyle maybe they've been getting uh free money uh you know and so y y your thoughts on the economic uh situation in general yeah i mean I, I think that we're kind of at a point you know with the economy where this um we, we've been essentially living under you know a kind of keynesian standard like across the world for such a long time and it's all essentially built on a house of cards right like you know we're essentially just printing money out of nowhere like that's you know we have like deficit funding of governments this has been going on for like a long time and it's it's the way that we've had this growth effect really like it's it's all been based upon nothing it's not been based on you know like real value it's been based upon like you know we'll just like print money you know we'll uh that that eventually leads um to where we are now you know i think that 
it's it's happened in the past you know there are there are actually like historical parallels to this you know if you look at kind of like the fall of rome and things like this you know one of the things they were doing during that time is they were like click clipping coins and stuff right so like they were trying in, in order to kind of like finance you know the roman, roman empire they were basically taking coins that had been worth a certain value and they were clipping them and then you know you would get a clip coin and they would say okay well like now we take you know you, you skim off the top essentially and we've been essentially doing the same thing for a long time it's just like you know we just uh, print money we do quantitative easing we take uh, interest rates down to artificially low levels and all this kind of stuff and that just creates uh, an economy that it lasts so long but it can't last indefinitely. You know, I mean, even the way that money comes into existence and you look in, in, into kind of banking and stuff, you know, when you buy a property and you think that, okay, well, this property is worth so much money. I mean, that money is just getting essentially printed into existence by the retail banks. They don't actually have to have to really hold any reserves. It's not like someone else's savings. They're saying, okay, well, we'll take this person's savings and then we'll, we'll, we'll you know, loan it out. This person can buy a house. The money is is brought into existence from nothing and then you have to pay it back with interest and that interest doesn't really exist. It's just kind of getting passed around the economy in debt and um this all has kind of led to the conclusion where we are now which is that everyone is dependent upon this kind of like cheap money but i think it's clear that the system can't perpetuate forever like this so i think we're kind of starting to see a a realignment and uh, of of you know what is like really valuable and i think that now that this this game is over it's manifesting in very, very strange ways. You know, I mean, COVID, it was just one example because I think they're trying to to create a world in which, first of all, okay, well, authoritarianism is kind of accepted as just a norm. Um, you know, it's also got the added effect of, okay, well, we need to bang cash because, you know, cash is dirty or whatever. You know, we need to all, all use digital cash. And eventually, I think with the economic collapse, they're going to want to they're going to need a way to get money into people's hands so that people aren't, you know, um, going around rioting or whatever they're going to do. So the way that they're going to try and do that is they're going to say, okay, well, you can have you can have your UBI, you can have some government money. We're going to digitally, we're going to put it into some digital wallet and that's how you can go out and spend. But they don't want to give it to anybody, right? Because there's certain things that you have to do because, you know, why bring in a CBDC unless you're going to have attachments to it? So, you know, they're going to say, oh, well, you know, have you taken your vaccine, you know, this, this month? Have you done this? You know, have you said something bad on the internet? Essentially, it's kind of all, all becoming part of the same thing, like, the authoritarianism and the CBDCs, it's just one giant package, right? And that's going to look really, really bad for the individual, but it's the only way that you can go with the fiat system. So obviously, you know, I am a big advocate for stuff like Bitcoin because I think that that's almost like the the people's way of getting away from this stuff. It's kind of our way of of saying, no, we're going to do it on our terms. We're going to we're going to decide um, if we're going to like move out of this fiat paradigm, we're going to have money, you know, we want it to be our money. We want it to be under our own uh, protocol. We want it to be created based upon genuine kind of work. And, you know, in the case of Bitcoin, like proof of work, etc. So I do think that that is a, an option to get away from it. But in the case of the people who are kind of pushing this stuff, you know, they certainly, they want to have, they still want to have control the other side of this. Um, and, you know, to, to what you were saying with, with inflation stuff, I don't think that this is going to stop. I think that we are at the beginning of a hyperinflationary cycle now that I think will result in the end of, of currencies. And, you know, these have happened in the past, but normally they've been isolated to one particular country. Now, we actually have a situation where the reserve currency is no longer gold for most economies. I don't even know if there's any that have the um a reserve by gold they're reserved by the us dollar and the us dollar is essentially unreserved itself so you're gonna have a collapse i think of every single currency across the world because if you're if the reserve 
asset, the US dollar collapses, well, everything that is, you know, built on top of that is going to collapse as well. So I think that we can expect to see a continuation of this and things of real value, you know, like they're going to go up in value a lot, things that are truly scarce, you know, things like energy, things like oil, um, those things are going to are going to essentially rise in value um proportionate to the the collapse of fiat currency so i i think it's going to continue and you know this is why i think it's going to get pretty pretty dark for a lot of people but you know i think the main thing is to kind of be aware of what's actually going on so that people can make those rational choices for themselves and their families and their communities so that they go in a direction which is in my view you have two options you can either become more self-sovereign or you can accept the cbdc's stuff and you know you might be given a relatively good life you know you you might be kind of happy you know sitting at home and and uh like eating bugs and all the rest of it and getting your monthly vaccine and taking your hand out from the government but for those people who don't want that life i think it's it's important to like be aware of like what's actually happening you know what's happening on a financial level and on a political level and everything and and making like conscious choices for for how you escape that basically i think even if you submit to the cbdc system at initially you know there'll be a honeymoon period but then i think soon the walls will start closing in and they're going to become diabolical with the things that they want to do with you. Um, but, you know, just uh, on that line of the digitalization and then as well as in Mexico, um, you know, a lot of people have said flee to places like Mexico. Not, not just Mexico. There's, you know, a lot of people going to Uruguay, Latin America that I know, places in Africa, you know, Southeast Asia, other parts of Asia and whatnot. Uh, my view is that Coming to a place like Mexico, you're buying time uh, only versus staying somewhere in Europe or, you know, the West. This was my idea by fleeing. My plan was to go live in Croatia. And um, when all of this happened, I fled Kazakhstan for back to Mexico. Then I've had guests on that have said the same thing, that this algorithm ghetto technocracy is going to first hit first world countries, first, you know, developed nations. And it'll take longer to get to developing nations. So again, other people have confirmed uh, my thoughts, but I I think that this stuff can still be quickly applied here in places like Mexico. We've seen governors, uh, the governor of Jalisco, where we are now. Um, he's said he wants to change the state constitution. Mandated vaccines are illegal. He wants to change the state constitution of Jalisco to make a legal mandatory vaccination. He proposed the idea of uh, internal Soviet passport to enter and exit Jalisco. They would require a vaccine certificate. They did have checkpoints, I was told, um, here in Mexico. Like when you were leaving Jalisco to go to like Colima, a neighboring state, they had checkpoints. They wouldn't let you through unless you proved that you had residency in Colima. And uh, they have this sort of, sort of social credit currency called Huzi that they've already deployed in Guadalajara. Like people, can, if they ride their bike or do whatever, they get these social credit points that can be converted to pesos. I feel like tomorrow the governor can say, if bi businesses have to accept QR codes or, or only uh, credit cards or, or smartphone payments and no cash, and if they accept cash, you know, like they did with COVID, they were sending out government agencies to businesses to make sure that uh, businesses were forcing customers to use cubrebocas, uh, right? The the face masks. And if they weren't, they would be fined, shut down immediately until they pay the fine, clausurado, right? So I feel like even in a place like Mexico, 
they can do this quickly. Although still Mexico might provide you more loopholes, even if it does happen, it might provide you more ways to get around it than other countries. But just your thoughts on the you know this fourth industrial revolution, this the the possibility of how soon you see this coming, or uh, if if they're going to succeed, and then transitioning to talking about you know how you see Mexico. Yeah, so I actually you know. I don't think it will succeed, but I guess like I'll I'll kind of come back to that one. Yeah, I think that okay, so so my belief is that like COVID was their was their biggest shot at this, and I think that they missed. Um, you know, I, I obviously they made they did make a lot of ground, no doubt. Um, and they did kind of desensitize people to a lot of this stuff, especially the idea of lockdowns. And, you know, now it seems like they're trying to do the whole climate lockdown uh thing and I think a lot of people will fall for that, you know, because they'll say, oh, well, I, I've already had COVID lockdowns. What difference is it? You know, we're doing it for the climate now. I think that there is going to be a, a kind of constant chipping away and some people are going to are going to just say, oh, well, this is normal now. You know, now now being locked in my home is normal, you know, whereas it used to be that, you know, you need to, to have kind of committed a crime or something to actually be locked down. Now it's like, okay, well, that just happens if my government, there's something they want to lock me down for. So there is going to be a gradual chipping away. Now, the thing is, I, I do think though that with the the COVID narrative, I mean, I can't remember. I would love to credit the person who I heard say this, but uh, I can't remember who it is. But they basically said, you know, the the, the first thing that happens, that's going to be the biggest shot. They're going to use the the thing they think they have most success uh, with the first time, and I think that for them that was COVID, right? So I think that they they went for the they tried to um, bring the plan into action off the back of COVID. And I don't think it really would. I think they, I think that there's a lot more resistance than they thought. I don't think they expected people to kind of be awake to it as much. I don't know what they were exactly expecting because to me, it was like really obvious that, you know, this wasn't what we we're being told. But I think that as a result of that, they kind of missed their number one opportunity to, to bring us all this stuff about. And I think that because they didn't um, achieve it from opportunity number one, they're unlikely to be able to bring it about for, for you know, number two or three, whether that's climate or whether that's, you know, whatever the thing is down the road that they're going to decide. It seems like climate is going to be the thing that that's going to be the next push. So I don't think that it's going to um, ultimately like have, have much an effect, but that doesn't mean that we're not kind of out of the woods because just because I think that they, they're now using their kind of their weaker hand, they're going to, they're going to have to play their weaker hand still the fiat system is fundamentally broken right so like we still have a situation that you're going to have hyper hyperinflating currencies and stuff and uh i think that that's still going to lead to a lot of hardship in the world so i think that the the hardship that we're going to see i'm less concerned about the authoritarian stuff than i am about the general result of kind of um monetary breakdown you know, I, I don't know how that will man manifest, you know, maybe it will manifest in, you know, poverty, maybe it will manifest in um, famine, maybe it will, you know, maybe it will ultimately manifest in war, because war is the tool that they will use to, you know, try to kind of keep, uh, keep the, the pockets lined of, of these people who are kind of pushing this stuff. Um, I don't know exactly how that will look, but I, I'm certainly less concerned about um, the actual, like, tools of controls, because I think that they've already they've already kind of played their their strong hand and not necessarily achieve what they wanted to achieve. Now, coming to your kind of question about Mexico, I, I think that Mexico, you know, I have a, a, a lot of good things to say about, about Mexico in this respect. I think that Mexico has has shown much more resilient, resiliency than, than a lot of places. I, that's from a number of factors. I think that 
I don't think it's necessarily all coming from the, the government or whatever. You know, I'm, sh- I'm sure that they have good and bad people in the government, you know, people who are bought off and people who aren't, et cetera. But I think it's more, for me with Mexico, it's, uh, I think the culture here tends to be just a bit more like, you know, people, it's always been a little bit anarchic anyway. Um, so I think it's got that to say for it. And also I think that geopolitically, like where it's positioned, you know, freedom seekers f- tend to find their way from to Mexico. I mean, this this happened before COVID and it's certainly accelerated since. And I think that it's proximity to places like America and places like Canada. I think that people um, have come here to seek freedom and that's going to kind of like build up a resiliency as well. And just the fact that, just the fact that like, it's kind of easy to move here as well. You know, it's um, it was always easy to come here as a tourist. It's relatively easy to get residency. Um, I think that it has a lot of factors that are going to going to protect it against what's going on. So, um, yeah, I have I have strong you know hopes for for Mexico, but as you said, there is still certainly pockets uh, that can kind of become corrupted, and you know Jalisco seem does seem to be one of them. Although although here in Puerto Vallarta it seems probably better than it is in in Guadalajara. I think the biggest cities are maybe going to face some of this stuff worse than the smaller places but uh, yeah I, I think that we've got to be on our on our toes but i, I would say to, to sum up like generally i'm less worried about these tools of control i'm more worried about what's going to happen when the economic system uh fully breaks down <laughs> yeah good point I've, I've also thought about this that the control system might not advance as quite as they want it and then our primary concerns will be i guess eating and and uh you know surviving economically because jobs will be less available or they'll they'll pay less and who knows i mean even doing what we're doing podcasting and whatnot um might not become profitable not that my podcast is quite <laughs> so prof- profitable so do do donate if, if you've got some extra funds but um just uh it's interesting to see in Mexico so many people coming down <clears throat> like when I've known about your podcast for a while and I thought you were in the UK and then you just it's funny I'm just it's so synergistic like uh you you've interviewed Parallel Mike I've interviewed him Rick Moon who I was a guest on his show and TNT in March you've interviewed him and he, he got the job <laughs> for me helped me get the gig on TNT but um I thought you were in UK and then you you invite me on your podcast and you're like oh you're here in puerto vallarta i'm like i just happen to be coming on vacation and it's just like it's so funny to meet so many people you know uh uh this month in in morelia is Derek rose and the whole greater reset and uh in mexico last year we had just half hour from here the libertarian uh podcast conference you know clint russell buck johnson um mark claire and others and so so many people are coming down. Josh Sigurdsson of World of Alternative Media is n- nearby here. Uh, Daniel Estelin's out in Cancun. So many people here. Um, and then may- maybe, well, before getting to the podcasting and media, maybe just any other thoughts you have on preparing for these hard times. I'm sure you might say buy some crypto. Um, I think it's good to have gold and silver, some property, maybe uh, a lot of non-perishables that you'll be using, weapons, um, where you can get them. Uh, but I think community and network is also very uh, important. So, you know, any thoughts for you for, on, on people weathering the storm uh, ahead? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I'm not 
I consider myself a Bitcoiner and not a crypto guy. So, you know, I personally think go with hard money. You know, I, I would, I would put, put gold above, above any kind of like crypto. But, um, you know, obviously, you know, I have a lot of belief in, in Bitcoin. I think that getting, you know, having stuff that's scarce is, is a good place to be. So, you know, whether that's gold, whether that's Bitcoin, um, I think just like having, having scarce assets that are going to ha- show to be, or help the individual to be more resilient, essentially against uh, against kind of hyperinflation, which is like my my number one biggest concern. Because obviously there are things which are really important. Things like if you can, you know, like our friend uh, Parallel Mike, he's got, he really taken gone to town on the the whole, you know, growing your own food and living off grid and having your own electricity. That's all well and good. But my belief is, well, those things will still exist. Everything is is still going to be able to be bought with money. But it's got to be hard money, right? So it's people might not accept your dollars, they might not accept your pesos or, or whatever your your national currency is. But I do think that hard money will still be used because we've always had mediums of exchange. So, you know, maybe that's gold, maybe that's silver, maybe that's Bitcoin. So I think that having those things is is really important. So if you can't go, you know, and I have full respect for people who do go the the whole hog with you know um, self sovereignty and and living off grid, etc. But if you can't do that. You know, make sure that you own like hard hard assets. Don't don't rely on the the money in your bank account. I, I think that once hyperinflation really starts to set in, you know, as we've seen in in previous times gone by, people will be taking wheelbarrows of money to go and buy a loaf of bread. And you know, I don't see any reason why that couldn't happen again. In fact, I think that we are very much on that path. So it might not happen tomorrow, but when it happens, it will probably happen quite quickly. I think that that uh, kind of like ramp up will happen very quickly. So I, I also think personally, you know, um, like being like having no debt is a, is a good place to be. I think that if you are in debt, um, you know, I mean, we, we talked about this a little bit before actually having this conversation is that, you know, we're both kind of like minimalists. We, you know, we, we're both like anti, you know, being in debt and things like that. And I think that the reason for that is because if you're in debt, like you're easier to be controlled. You know, if you're in debt, it's much easier to say to someone, you've got to do what we want. You know, if you have, um, a, an unpayable mortgage or something like that, it's much easier for someone to say, okay, well now you're dependent on it. You know, you're going to lose your house if you don't do this, you got to do this, uh, you know, and then, and then we'll help you with your, your, your repayments, whatever it is. So I think that like having as, as, as little debt as possible, um, is a good idea. Um, but I would also have some cash. I mean, personally for me here, I, I, I keep, I keep cash, you know, I go and I take out almost the maximum amount that I can from a cash machine. Every time I go, I don't just like take as much cash as I need. I mean, first of all, it's kind of a cash economy here, so you have to. Where do do you keep it? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so, you know, like I think that having cash, and the reason I say that is because it's much easier for the powers that be to turn off ATM machines or to call some kind of bank holiday than it is to, you know, take everyone's cash. So I think that if you do have a... Uh, emergency currency situation shall we, shall we call it they might just turn off the atms you know you you might not be able to go and withdraw your your money from the bank because they're they're bailing out governments and they're bailing out central banks with your money whatever they're doing so i think that having cash is is useful so yeah personally for me personally for me it's a combination of that it's like having your assets basically like in the right place but i just say community and stuff helps as well and i think it also just being being like being like healthy you know uh i i think that th- there's if you have a healthy body and a healthy mind and you're, you're, you're doing good daily practices, you're going to be much more resilient to this stuff. So I think that like there's, there's stuff that you can do on that kind of, I guess, more holistic side of things as well to actually kind of prepare yourself because, you know, you've got to think about what's going to come down the line and kind of visualize and, and take proactive steps. But I also think that like not getting, 
super, you know, super kind of caught up in the negative energy. I think like having some, having some like positivity and, and facing these things like head on, I think is, it's a good thing to do. Yeah, it is. It is cash Friday. Although I think it's, um, I, I've, I've never been big on the cash Friday thing because even since I was a teenager, I've been a cash every dayer. Like I never use credit cards and I always, every single day, since I was a teenager, just using cash. I don't see any reason to use credit cards or I don't even know how to do the pay, phone pay things. It's just, yeah. uh, for me, it just always made sense from an intuitive perspective using cash because it's what you have, not having that, uh, protecting your privacy. No one has to know what I'm buying. And as well as what you say, about, I do the same thing. Uh, I take as much as I can reasonably out of the ATM just to have that buffer because they might not be open working tomorrow or they they keep lowering the limits i mean all over the place you see in europe and and mexico has been all right for a while but yeah and i and i buy anything anything that i know i'm going to need like i just bought a second laptop uh because you know this one one fan broke and so it's like just anticipating supply chains breaking down or just inflation like i'm gonna i'm gonna get scoop this up right uh now and you mentioned this doom attitude, and I know some some listeners uh, of mine. Uh, I just want to make you think a bit. Um, some folks have a real doom mentality, and we, we were talking about this earlier. Like I, I have this sort of laugh in the face of danger mentality. I'll, they'll take me to to the gulag singing and and laughing. So um, you have to be balanced. You know, I, we can hang out and and you know we, we were having a meal drinking coffee talking about things not necessarily related to this so we can talk about this stuff at times and other times you know turn it off and live a normal life but there are people that are just constantly freaking out about 5g this and land confiscation and you know government agents being sent to your house and jabbing you 20 times with the pentagon juice as i call it or you know and it's just like at some point, there's only so much you can do, you know, learn about this. Like we were talking about, people send us, you know, the latest interview of the the breakdown of what's in the Pentagon juice. And it's like, look, I, I don't have any more time to, to watch so many interviews, you know, diapers to change and stuff and, and uh, the moon, you know, to look at the night sky, uh, you know, read books and hang out with friends and stuff. And it's like... Um, I know the Pentagon juice is bad. I'm never going to take it. Uh, it's I, I, I find it a bit futile to watch so many videos on a weekly basis with the latest, like what's in the juice or whatever. And so I think there has to be a reasonable balance. And so you can't be like, oh, nothing's going on. Like I said earlier, missiles are falling in. La, la, la. Let's pretend that's not happening. You can't be talking about 5G every day. It's got to be a balance and just, uh, and, and you've been telling me, you've been meeting some of the freedom folks here who are like that. And um, like I said, it, you, sort of you, you, your reaction to this this sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. As you say, you know, I think that is we have to be like informed enough to kind of like have a healthy level of skepticism. Right. But I, I do think that it, it, there becomes a point where if you are kind of like obsessing over it, you're not in the right, like mental head headspace actually to kind of like deal with all this stuff anyway. And I think, you know, we have to somewhat live 
like normal lives and we have to kind of we don't want to just become this kind of echo chamber of like really really intense conspiracy theories and stuff like and i'm not even saying necessarily that they're, that, they're, that they're not true some of this stuff but i think that you know for me it doesn't really matter like for me it doesn't matter whether for instance the vaccine is uh you know killing loads and loads of people of course like it matters but doesn't make it like even if someone came and it wasn't killing everyone and someone's putting a gun to my head telling me i'm going to take it well i'm not going to take it anyway because i believe in bodily autonomy so you know we can talk all day about you know how you know how many vaccine adverse injuries or this that or the other we can talk about that and it's important to, to know about it but it doesn't change the fundamental nature that someone's coming and telling you you've got to take this take this product or whatever the important thing is do you have sovereignty over your own body for instance right so like you said you know someone it, it doesn't really matter to me at this point it could be um it could be much more or less severe than than people are saying but my ultimate thing is well i've decided not to take this and i'm going to stand by that and once i've made that decision like it doesn't it doesn't matter to me anymore like i can move on to other things and i can keep myself in a more positive space you know and i think that's the important thing whereas if you're constantly obsessing about um some of these things you know, I'm not saying that we shouldn't get the truth out there. We should, but it's just like, what's your actual response to it? Like, are you staying in the kind of fear mentality, essentially? Like, are you staying in just like a constant state of, of fear and anxiety? I don't think that that's healthy. So if that's the state that people are in, and I would say, well, look, you've made a decision that you're going to walk away from this thing. You're going to walk away from the CBDCs. You're going to walk away from, you know, the the vaccines or whatever it is that, that someone's trying to coerce you to take. Once you've done that, start thinking about uh, other things. Start thinking about community. Start thinking about self-sovereignty, you know, um, like actually kind of change your, you know, try to, I guess just become more uh, like relaxed and 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 because because the thing is you know when you're constantly in that state as well it doesn't really kind of do our community any favors I think when when there's too much negativity there you know so I think that you know you can you can take that stance to say okay I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna opt out of this thing but once you've opted out like try to then become positive about the things that you're opting into you know like whether that's uh, you know, for for example, with us, you know, we're we're into the alternative media space, which is like thriving. You know, like dig your teeth into something that's positive. You know, maybe that's growing your own food. Maybe that's uh, whatever. Maybe that's learning about something like Bitcoin. Dig into something that's actually going to help you, but like do it in, a, in from a positive way. That that's what I would say. You know, and uh, I think that's a, that's a healthy approach to take. Yeah, you mentioned alternative media. That was my next uh, question because uh, you know, if you want to tell us about your staying free podcast you sort of fell into it i also f fell into my i never wanted to do a podcast i just i wanted to talk to smart people and that's sort of i think uh that's your thing as well you 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 wanted to talk to to smart people and just it just so happened that organically podcasting was the way to do that and as you said like many things are exploding uh you know platforms like dnt podcasting itself um and you know just your thoughts on the current media scene and where it might be going as well as the censorship because i don't feel the censorship is going away like you know my patreon uh, i'm banned paypal i'm banned other people have bank accounts closed and so i think that stuff's going to continue um i mean we see these two conflicting things where the tyranny is continuing but at the same time you know alternative media is going forward and uh, rising and and just you know your thoughts on the scene yeah i mean i i personally i it's almost like every year that goes by i think that alternative media has peaked or is peaking and then i realize that we're nowhere near the top and i i actually just think that since covid that has been 
a, a huge moment. It's like we're we're now living through, I think, the golden age of alternative media. Maybe it won't. Maybe it will just keep going and it will keep getting better. But um, obviously, you know, like you say, there is issues with with stuff like censorship. But I think that we're starting to get to the point now because the censorship is so widespread that anyone who goes against that, they kind of create themselves a nice niche which immediately people flock to so you know like looking at things like uh you know now a lot of people they're moving away from platforms like youtube and they're going to places like odyssey or they're going to places like rumble you know in terms of podcasting you know my my um podcast the staying free podcast it's mainly an audio podcast you know i do video and stuff as well but one of the things i really like about audio podcasts is that it works basically from like a you have your your podcast feed and you you have your host and that just kind of like then just gets distributed out to all the all they do is they just they just pull that content from there right so if spotify suddenly decide to ban me will i still exist on itunes and i still exist on you know amazon etc so it kind of creates this uh this effect where it's like it, it disincentivizes you from being banned essentially because um you're still going to exist it's not like spotify's pulling your content you're not hosting it there so I think that um, there's ways to get around censorship. And I think that people become very awake very quickly to censorship. You know, everyone knew it was happening on Twitter. Twitter seems to have obviously, you know, under Elon Musk, whatever you think of him, at least the censorship for now uh, has kind of like dialed back. And I think that that's happened on a basis of, of us kind of continually knocking on that door. You've got platforms as well. Like um, what's the one where people kind of write articles? It's become really big. Substack. Right? Substack. Substack's become, become a huge thing. So yeah, I think that um, there's a lot of like really positive things that, that are happening there. And also just the fact that the media has, the mainstream media has just really made, it's just, it's so ridiculous now. You know, you can't get, you know, you can't get any truth from it. I mean, every day you turn on the mainstream media and the stories are more ridiculous than the last. And um People know, I think, intuitively that you're not really going to get the truth from mainstream media and not having to find it through other platforms. And that's just helping like independent producers and you know, people like independent like journalists and stuff. Um, I think this is a really good time for them. So I, I'm not sure what the, there was two parts of your question and I, I went in on the No, the I was just saying, you know, I needed thoughts on um yeah, the the media scene and then, you know, maybe your podcast staying free, I think you're doing great, and then you know, where you where you're trying to take it uh, and any, any other projects that if, that you're working on, if you want to mention or just, you know, what's going, what's the future for staying free? Uh, yeah. Yeah. That was the other thing that you asked. So you asked kind of like the, the beginnings of that. And yeah, it was very similar to yourself. I just kind of felt like, I, I guess that off the back of the COVID stuff, there were so many people who I'd kind of, I, I guess I knew online and I was communicating with and they seemed smart, seemed switched on. And I thought, okay, well let's like create something where I'm actually having conversations. Let's get people out of that Twitter echo chamber you know, that kind of 280 characters thing where you can't really present like more nuanced um, side of you or have more nuanced discussions, et cetera, and have conversations. So I started doing that and then, you know, just kind of kept going with it really. And that was the main thing was just like, let's let's ha have conversations that are kind of like meaningful. Like there's, you know, there's, there's no shortage with the mainstream media of just like nonsense conversations with the same takes over and over that aren't talking about the in, the interesting or important things in life and i kind of thought well i want to have those conversations so um that was really kind of how it started and you know yeah since then you know i've been going kind of um just over a year now and uh it, you know like i was saying to you like before we got going it's it's personally been like a really fulfilling experience f for me like i wouldn't be having a conversation like this you know meeting someone like you and we just you know we share kind of so much in common and we think about things you know um in similar ways and stuff and
I, I like meat, though you're, you're you're vegan, so we can we can get over that, right? So <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, we have you know we have we have a few differences in, in, in that respect, but yeah, but you know, um, at the end of the day, it's like this. We're creating something different here because I think that the old world has proved itself to be kind of fundamentally like corrupted, like not just literally corrupted, but also like spiritually corrupted. So if like if we're going to do something different, if we're going to like you know create a better world we need to actually kind of come together and, and do it individually and you know since, since starting the podcast i've talked to so many people who are along a similar mindset and you know i the way that i see it is that like this is the way that we win the way we win is like we raise our conscious we kind of raise our consciousness and rather than you know sitting around and and living in the metaverse wearing masks you know taking a vaccine every month whatever it is like and, and living in this fear state we actually and also just watching mainstream media and all this kind of stuff, you know, trusting in these, you know, you know trusting this, the science or whatever that's supposed to mean. Like actually just saying, no, 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 we're going to like have stimulating conversations. We're going to, you know, tune into different media. We're going to uh, like learn and educate ourselves about different things, but also we're going to do it like with a positive kind of energy. I think that's how we win because those people eventually are going to realize it's a dead end, you know, just sitting around and being afraid of everything and trusting, you know, your leaders to look after you is going to lead you to bad places. Unfortunately, I think for a lot of people, it's already led them there because, you know, they might have taken medical interventions that they don't need. And that might've been uh, very, you know, I hope it's not, but that might've been harmful for them. And, so I hope that people don't have to learn the hard way. I hope people can learn the, the easier way. But certainly as time goes forward, I think that more and more people are going to flow over to our camp just because they're going to resonate with the positive energy or whatever. I know that sounds kind of, you know, super hippie, but I do think that's what we're doing here. Like we're we're doing something more positive. We're offering like some kind of alternative. And, you know, that's why, again, you know, I, I'm not, I don't like to go too much into the doomer side of things. I just think like, let's just create something um, of our own and, not ask anything of the of the of the system i don't, I don't want any, you know i don't even spend much time um like hating on them i'm just like okay you do your thing you know bbc can you know put out their message whatever they want to do and i'll do my thing over here you know and the people will gravitate towards that but i think that, that will grow over time because people want positive people want positive view of the future right uh, i don't think that it's actually kind of a hard sell just saying okay you're all just gonna live in the metaverse and eat books like I think that most people, they might do that out of fear, but they'd rather do things out of love and connection and, you know, all, all those are the kind of like from a good place, basically. So that's where I hope that, that we're going with this. Yeah, just uh, what you were saying, you know, even again, going back to when I was a teenager, my view has always been the sort of Sparta 300, you know, Normandy uh, D-Day invasion where sort of feel where, and and I saw this. There, there's that famous uh, YouTuber, I think, up in Norway with beard. I saw he he did. A, I saw his clip the other day through through activist post where he's saying the fight, like to win, um, the fight is to win or something. Like for, for for me, if I die or I'm in the digital or physical ghetto or whatever, it doesn't matter. Like for me, the the victory, the success is like using game theory. Like we did the the, the right thing the best that we could what happens regardless is you know for me that's the win that's that's all that you could have done um and i and i think that's that's the right uh mentality you you win by doing what's right resisting tyranny regardless of the outcome uh and so th that's how i sort of see things and um you know is, is there anything that in between what we've 
covered that you think is, uh, you know, or, or something else is important that, that for you, um, given everything that's going on, any other important point for you to get across? Um, no, I mean, I think that, you know, I, I would, I'll probably just suggest because we've, we've had two conversations today that like almost the other half of this conversation will, will be on my podcast. So I guess like there we've already kind of like discussed the other, other topics I might go into, but yeah, I just want to like, thank you for, you know, inviting me on and everything. Like it's been an awesome discussion. It's been really, really awesome. Like getting to know you and stuff. I hope that we do this again in the future. It's great having like another, like, you know, content creator in Mexico, um you know like pretty nearby in guadalajara and stuff like that it's uh you know it's pretty cool like just having these these experiences makes us makes me realize that like we're on to something like we're on the right path you know all these kind of synchronicities that are happening it kind of makes me feel like okay we're we're doing the right thing here so um yeah uh, i guess that's it for me if people want to kind of check out my podcast it's staying free pod um that's the Twitter handle, Staying Free Pod. And if you just search the Staying Free Podcast on any po- podcast platform, you'll get it. YouTube, I do a bit of censoring um, because I don't want to get, get strikes. But when the conversation is censored, I always put a censorship message there to let people know that this section has been censored and to listen on, on other platforms. Um, so, you know, I try to put as much of the conversation there as possible. But if you want to listen to the full uncensored conversations, they're available on all the major, major podcast channels. Yeah, and, and thanks for inviting me into your home to invite you onto my uh, <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. podcast. Yeah. So, yeah, that'll do it for this special beach edition of Geopolitics and Empire. I should do more uh, Geopolitics and Empire beach uh, editions. And if you ever make it to, out to Guadalajara, um, uh, we'll we'll talk uh, again. And for sure. Staying free podcast. Subscribe there. Doing, uh, Johnny's doing uh, awesome work. And, well, thanks for being on G&E. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this Geopolitics and Empire podcast. The website is geopoliticsandempire.com, and I encourage you to sign up to the free email list that notifies you of every new podcast and other important updates. The email list and website are our last lines of defense. We're being censored and deplatformed. It's almost impossible to find Geopolitics and Empire on the Google search engine, We've been blacklisted. YouTube frequently strikes videos. Facebook restricts our page. Reddit, Twitter, and LinkedIn take down posts. After the Associated Press mentioned geopolitics and empire in a 2021 article co-written with NATO, or the Atlantic Council, our Patreon account was terminated. Vimeo also terminated our pro account at one point. In April of 2022, the Department of Homeland Security had PayPal ban us for life. The best free way to help geopolitics and empire is to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or elsewhere and subscribe to all of our media channels. You can find the video broadcast now on five platforms, Odyssey, Rockfin, Rumble, BitChute, and Brighteon. You can find the audio broadcast on the entire podcast ecosystem, SoundCloud, Apple, Spotify, and so on. My current favorite social media channels are Twitter and Telegram, but you can also find us on Gab, MeWe, Minds, Float, VK, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. You can support this guerrilla signal by donating via DonorBox, Buy Me a Coffee, Subscribestar, or Crypto. You can purchase a consultation with the host to talk about expatriation, geopolitics, or podcasting. You can also become a monthly or annual member via Stripe and receive benefits such as partaking in a monthly member Zoom call, get access to a weekly recording of my random thoughts, and a private Telegram channel. Thank you for listening.